0: Back to Go Crows, the internet's one and only Smallville podcast. I'm Bry, and with me, as always, is our resident Smallville expert Dorothy. Hello, and our guy who reads comics. Hi. Can anybody be a
1: comics expert? There's too much of
0: it. I. (laughs) Well, I feel like you can be expert in certain areas of comics. It, it is like academia that way. Yes, there's entirely too much material. It's a silly amount of material, so people have to sub-sub-specialize. But then again, I
1: mean, DC made it so easy to step in a few years ago.
0: Mm. Ah, yes, New 52. <laughs> the the s- decision in comics that was so effective, it made me, a person who had been tentatively getting into Capes comics, stop reading entirely because they canceled the, the, the Montoya question run. <laughs>
2: Well, it's also the run where they hired Rob Liefeld to do a book, watched him drive that book into the ground, and then just gave him another one. I guess they really wanted Hawk and Dove to fail. There was actually some really, really good stuff in New 52. Like, a lot of really, really good stuff. Buried in the trash.
1: Well, and also, most of the stuff that was actually good didn't need to be New 52.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Mm, Yeah. It's a bummer. Like, it was mostly the stuff that could have still been running. And then all the stuff that was, like, dead for a while that was cool to see brought back, like, static, they canceled after eight issues. New 52 sucked ass, actually. Uh, Yeah, but we got Gail
2: Simone's Batgirl out of it.
0: Okay, fair. That was, yes. I
2: mean, that was really good. And we did eventually work our way up to Red Lantern Supergirl, which was at least interesting.
0: I'll take your word on it. I know very little about Supergirl or anything to do with the Lanterns. But see, this is why we have you on this, our Smallville podcast.
2: (laughs) Ah, yes, comics expert. He who reads many comics and then does Googling.
0: All right, so this week we watched episodes 8, 9, and 10, which uh, is Jitters, Rogue, and...
2: Shimmer. Shimmer.
0: I know. (laughs) These fucking titles. I don't know why I say the titles as though they are going to mean something to our audience.
1: Only one of these episodes is seriously memorable, I feel like, anyway. Mm. And
2: only one of these has a title that actually ties into what the episode is about.
1: <laughs> well, there's... How do you burn a good noun like rogue in the first season? I, How do you say, you know what, let's just use up this word?
0: <laughs> we resent Marvel so we're just throwing this one in the trash (laughs) alright so before we get into the segments uh, a sort of brief 30 second summary of each episode if whether you need a primer or you're following along at home and aren't actually watching these god why Sean got the worst one last time so I think he should get to talk about jitters this time yeah okay Sean 30 seconds what was jitters about
2: um it was amazing. It's the actually good one of the of the bunch. So, um, who is the actor?
1: Tony Todd. Yay. The great Tony Todd.
2: The great Tony Todd, Candyman himself.
1: It was real funny. He showed up on screen and I was like, is this a recurring character? Am I supposed to know who he is? And I was like, no, they can't afford him.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, not by a long not by a long shot. So he is a former janitor at the Luther the Luther plant the fertilizer manufacturing plant. And he has an adorable little baby daughter that he can no longer see because he worked on the mysterious, secretive third floor of the plant and is now affected with some sort of kryptonite disease that causes him to shake uncontrollably. He used to be a farmhand at at the Kent farm, and now he wants... He wants the cure. He needs to know what's causing him to have uncontrollable jitters. Um, there's ah. a school field trip and a hostage situation. It's wild.
0: It is indeed wild. Okay, and Rogue is the token corrupt cop episode where uh, Sam Phelan, who you may remember from a few of episodes ago as the dude who was trying to blackmail Lex Luthor and it failed on him because <laughs> tried to blackmail Lex Luthor with being gay. <laughs> It wasn't, but like it was.
1: This continues to seem like he's trying to blackmail Lex Luthor for being gay, and has just found much more evidence.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he now has blackmail on Clark because he saw him doing super things, and but it still comes off
1: as now I'm blackmailing you because you're Lex Luthor's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the vibe to it, even though that's not what's happening.
0: Yep. Uh, He tries to pressure Clark into doing crimes with him, gets Clark's dad accused of murder, and ultimately gets arrested, so it's fine. The end. (laughs) And then our last episode.
1: Uh, Shimmer, which is yet another in the uh, conga line of episodes where even though Lex is the victim of what's happening, something about him makes him the bad guy. Um, in this case, uh, Lex becomes the victim of stalking and, um, and, you know, terror-causing violence within his own home because someone is sexually obsessed with him.
2: How is it that we're on a roll of every third episode is in fact the worst episode?
0: Like you mentioned, there's only one good episode this time, but I found all of these episodes remarkably watchable compared to the last batch because they all feature Lex.
1: Yeah, well, and these ones aren't deadly dull, Mm -hmm. I guess. It is a pretty good qualitative difference because the ones that are boring are just...
2: Yeah, they're insufferable and all of these do keep all of the characters well on Thesis. And I don't necessarily mean that as a good thing, because Jonathan Kent is an asshole and Lana is boring, why does anyone like her?
0: <laughs> don't worry, we've got segments for that.
1: <laughs> that. That is a good point, though, Sean. They're definitely sort of gelling more into what they want to do with these
0: characters. I think you watch these three episodes and you're like, oh, this is why people watched Smallville. And like, maybe it's in a, this is trashy teen drama kind of way, but you're like, this is the appeal. I get it.
1: I feel like it is sort of settling into its skin as a Buffy also ran. Mm-hmm. As somebody who didn't watch Buffy, I, that's the vibe I'm getting though, is High there's key. a team of sort of characters with heightened personalities mm-hmm. that, that shake comfortably into roles and then it's how they bounce off one another.
0: Yeah, basically. You've you've more or less nailed it. Uh, This feels very much like seasons one and two, Buffy. And I know Buffy gets more complex over time. I didn't watch it, but like... I mean, Buffy sort of had a sweet spot, and then it continued to run for... How many seasons? For four more seasons. (laughs) Haha,
2: you're funny. It keeps going in the comics, which is a direct continuity and counted in the season order.
0: Uh, They're rebidding it in the comics now. uh, They kill Giles. You know what? That's fine actually. Like, he go. needed to
2: get out. I
0: do, but oh. he's a creep.
1: Ah. Oh, I thought you were saying, you know, that's a mercy for him.
0: <laughs> it's a mercy it's a mercy for Anthony Head if this were still being acted, yes. <laughs> he already fucked over Wesley the character that I really liked over at Angel. So fuck it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But speaking of characters who probably deserved better, that's a good enough way to get into our Monster of the Week segment. Uh, Tony Todd is doing the most and is easily the best uh, one-off character this week. He's doing so much
1: with a a role that is so little, and there's some bad writing decisions happening,
2: (laughs) just Mm dialogically
1: Because this is another of, here's my old friend Bob. Boy, we're good friends, so that we know the characters have an emotional attachment to this character, and that's why we should care when bad things happen to them. But it's phrased in the literal worst way possible you could for a character played by Tony Todd. Uh Uh-huh. Where Clark and his parents keep saying that this guy who used to work for them, who's played by Tony Todd, was just like family.
2: Yep.
0: He worked the fields with us.
2: And we found him hiding in our shed.
0: Yeah, it's real
1: unfortunate. Well, that's before you and even get- I don't him. even know if this role was originally written for a black actor, but Well, the,
2: the other thing that I actually want to point out about this monster of the week is this monster of the week, unlike all other monsters of the week, um, is actually creative like in the way they shoot it. Like All the other monsters of the week are just kind of like what you see is what you get but the the filming technique they they utilize to represent the jitters is actually visually appealing in my pointer
0: yeah yeah it's the uh, it's the fast motion demon shake fro that uh, Jacob's ladder invented it's, it's a good technique when it's well used
2: yeah because it's got the the dropped frames and it actually looks nice and probably wasn't that you know expensive to do hence why the CW did it
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also interesting that the conflict in this isn't directly because kryptonite contamination makes you violent. The actual problem this week is the the gaslighting Mm -hmm. and the fact that they're using that the Luther Corporation is using their ability to frame things as him being mentally ill to not acknowledge what's happening.
0: Yeah, this is the first episode in this entire show where it's successfully convinced me not not Lex is evil because Lex Luthor is a is a famous comic book villain, but this is an evil corporation because look at the human toll on this on this one man. Like it's effectively written. <laughs> it's a good episode.
2: But it also completely fails to make Lex Luthor the villain. In fact, it kind of makes him the hero because this is Jonathan Luthor. Or Lionel Luther's Sorry, j- j- we got we got too many Johns because we got John Glover playing it.
1: Well, <laughs> and they both bang Martha. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, no, you've you've just set up a a terrible human meat flesh fusion in my mind, and I hate it so much.
1: If I told you that happened, you would believe me. Yes, I would.
0: Is the problem?
1: It just gets a little Kimiguri Orange Road.
0: you know you just you die you pass it on to the next one it's it's fine yeah but like and john glover's so good in this episode too though is kind of that secondary monster and the cell of oh this is what like it's so good at setting up of course lex is going to become paranoid look at the everything and
1: it it sets lex up as a really sympathetic character too Mm -hmm. because of it it's also inadvertently um a really good setup for not only why Lex becomes paranoid, but how mental illness is used as a social tool mm-hmm. throughout this series, as a control method.
0: Although it, d- it does even then end up tripping a little bit because of the weird domestic violence vibes. Yeah. Because we, ha- this, we start with Tony Todd visiting his child, who he's not allowed to see anymore because presumably he he accidentally almost hurt his his child because of the sh- the shaking that's been happening to him.
2: Uh, yeah there's there's that possibility but there also seems to to be the implication that everyone in town believes he's mentally ill. So I I think there's kind of supposed to be the implication that his wife left him because he's gone, you know, corkboard and string crazy. But it could also be, you know, the physical problem, too. It's really kind of unclear. And I think it it really depends on where your head is at personally, which one you go, aha, it must be this.
1: Because we're playing fast and loose with how everything works, because this is season one, Mm -hmm. um, his meteor contamination means that there are traces of kryptonite in his system so Clark gets a tummy ache when he's around him because
0: that's how we wanted it to work this episode so that Lex could be in the spotlight yeah and so that Clark would have to be passive through a lot of the episode
2: actually they were surprisingly consistent because the third episode monster also has a a passive power that's not ingrained in their blood so Clark does get a tummy ache in that one too
1: yeah, I'm. I'm just saying, that it's weird that some of the characters work like that and some don't.
0: Right, without it, there being a clear established, this is why it breaks down along these lines. Yeah, yeah. That line about "look what you made me do," though, I feel like yeah, that's that's, a, that's another piece of bad writing. Like it, it sours the entire. What are you trying to do with this character? And it makes me. It's one of those things where, like, would it be so compelling if this were not a an extremely skilled actor in this role? Right. He is so good, though. And then we move on to Cameron Die in Rogue, who is there. He's a nasty Weasley cop.
2: He is the perfect representation of the modern American police force.
1: Corrupt. He has either the complicity or the complacency of everybody else he works with.
0: And it's so weird that this, that Smallville tried to do a some cops or like a corrupt cop don't trust the cops narrative when it's Smallville and there's that low-key authoritarian protagonist-centered morality throughout the show.
2: I know, and they managed to successfully get modern policing and average sheriff department because, wow, the sheriff department is dumb.
1: I used to live across the street from the sheriff in my hometown.
2: From Sheriff Batman?
1: No, no, this was
0: before that. Oh. (laughs) All right. <laughs> so you would say that this is an accurate depiction. It's so odd. Like normally if you're going to have a corrupt cop character, you want to get into talks about systemic, you know, issues, but that it's smallville and it's not and it that smart. Yeah, and it can't do that and it
1: can't actually have the corrupt cop being doing be doing anything bad to anyone but the most privileged people. Mhm. Lex Luthor, a literal billionaire.
2: Yeah, but Lex Luthor shuts him down.
1: Mm-hmm. And Clark Kent, our hero. <laughs> it's and like, so yes, class wise, Clark is socioeconomically disprivileged, but come on. But he's they're Clark Kent. They're doing fine. And he's Clark
0: Kent. No, they're going. They had to get a second mortgage on the farm <laughs> because Pa Kent doesn't understand how farming works.
2: <laughs> I'm doing. Pa Kent also doesn't understand how blackmail works. He's like, let dad handle it. And he came faster than Clark. Oh,
0: God. The real nail in the coffin is the fact that the cold open of this episode, which is the first time I think we've seen Metropolis, calls particular attention to, like, issues of- to socionomic issues and, like, people who have to sleep on the street.
1: But Why also, have you done this?
0: Well, but also it establishes that the Metropolis police
1: badge is the shape of the Superman shield. So it's saying that Clark is going to become a
0: cop. But like a real cop, a good cop. Cop fiction is just the medieval Good King Returns narrative. Discuss. Mean. <laughs> it's not that the system is broken. It's just that we need the right person to make the broken system work. <sighs>
1: I do want to talk about that cold open, but not right
0: now. Okay. <laughs> All right. That leaves our our last monster of the week, which is Shimmer, which decides to pull a bait and switch on us. But really, it still has two monsters. Uh-huh. It's just that one of them is mundane.
2: Yes, Lana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not no, not that one. so, Lex be fucking. How dare he, frankly. Lex be fucking.
1: And it's not because he's desperately in love. This is bad.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How dare he? He he is having the sex with Victoria Hardwick, who it is made very, very clear is a lady who wishes to participate in business. But the only way she can do that is by fucking dudes. It's all she knows. And this is how she must compete with her daddy. So she's exactly like Lex.
0: Yep. (laughs) But we're not drawing attention to this parallel. (laughs) That'll get more awkward in a few episodes. Oh, good. Yeah. So the show
1: spends a lot of time on the bait and switch. Uh, she is a whore, but more mm-hmm. importantly, somebody else wants to fuck Lex. Yeah. So and they're it's, real mad.
0: It's like the show wants us to think about what we've done, that that we are meant to villainize this teenage girl who's stalking Lex and like, I don't know, viewer misogyny or some shit. But also... But also the show hates teenage girls, so...
1: Yeah, and there's there's... It's trying to do something with class as well because, like, her family is in service to the Luthers and has been for years and years and years and years. So, like, she grew up in the Luther home and he was nice to her. And she is shy. But she's she's being constantly told by her mother, their world is not our world. You should hold yourself apart. You know, stop being creepy.
2: But he continues to be nice
1: through the whole episode even after he finds a fucking shrine in her bedroom and is just like look i will pay for whatever treatment you need but i need you out of my house because this is
0: scary Uh uh-huh honestly i feel like it was less the the shrine and more her stealing the one thing he gives a shit about
1: yes yes the, the one the watch that was made from the coin that his mother gave him
0: Like, I feel like that's the tipping point. Yeah.
2: And he didn't even necessarily fire them because it it does imply that he just sends them back to Metropolis.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not like, it does not seem like he's depriving them of what must undoubtedly be very good wages for the mom. But yeah, she has these two teenage kids and the girl is being super fucking creepy to Lex. And then
0: an invisible person starts fucking around the house trying to to kill victoria but but wouldn't you know it and then chloe
1: and um and clark figure out that there are magical roses in the garden that turn you invisible as long as you strip down and lube up
0: yep and it was the brother the whole time which okay it was some anime shit and it's
2: There's so many questions brought up by by that because no one seems particularly interested in particularly the son of a billionaire who works for a corporation that has a you know, drug division. No one goes, holy fuck balls, give me all of those roses. I'm selling this to the military now.
0: No, we can't play by those rules because the show would break instantly.
2: Right, no, no using the cut Lex Luthor check.
0: I was gonna say, TV <laughs> tropes has a whole trope for that. <sighs> oh God. <laughs> Thematically, it is by far the weakest of these three episodes.
1: It's it's very interesting to analyze, but it's it's nothing of an episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, the class factors are interesting. They just don't go anywhere because. In order for the twist to happen, she basically- her character arc has to kind of sputter out and die, and the brother is basically not established at all? Because he's invisible, you
1: see.
2: Whoa. Just
1: once I want to see a character with invisibility powers who's the loudest, most attention-loving motherfucker on the planet.
2: But I, I also have to say that the twist fails because the first thing the the monster of the week does is beat a guy half to death in the locker room with a weight for picking on his sister and her reaction does not say i'm going to get aggressive and turn turn invisible and beat you up now so they pretty much give it away right away
0: but don't Again, you see he is nude at all times yep just dick
1: out dick out beating people to death suppose you're trying to cover yourself in your invisibility ointment like how detailed do you have to get down there right are you what if you miss a part on your crack? Like, like,
0: what if the taint is just floating through the air?
2: You're nothing but.
0: What is this we call stuff? that guy who's looking for the taint? He's been at it this whole time. He tries the hero to of two us.
2: worlds. Huh? Look, a floating disembodied butthole. What's that doing here?
0: Yeah. So, so Victoria ends up being the real villain of this episode, while they also systematically disempower all of the moves she makes by by being patronizing about how the Luthers both already know what she's up to and she only knows how to use her vagina as a bargaining tactic.
2: I it mean, sucks. at least Lex was nice enough to say we're playing chess. That was the closest to admitting they are an even footing.
0: Yeah, yeah I'll, yeah, I'll give them that.
2: No, you I don't guess. have to give them that. Fuck them. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, as long as we're talking about relationships on this show, I'll go ahead and give you the floor to talk about our most important character, the heart of the show. Oh, I hated her in this set of episodes. <laughs> I didn't at first, but she does something. Oh. Go ahead. I, I still am, I am still fairly neutral to Lana. At this point, it feels like a stubbornness thing, but I'm at it. it. Clearly. Lana decides to help. Yeah, so her biggest contribution this this run of episodes is that... Well, Club- first of all, she's still basically
1: fucking around on Whitney. Yeah. But they're in a relationship that needs to break up just because it annoys me at this point. Not, not even in a like, yeah, girl, you break up with that trash man thing. Because yes, he's awful and possessive and jealous... But also, she deliberately constantly goes out of her way to do things that she knows he would be
0: uncomfortable with without discussing it with him. She's definitely having it, like, emotionally cheating on him at this point. Yeah. And and he's a possessive asshole. Like,
2: super much.
0: Yeah, so
1: they need to break up. But it's so- She's being shitty about it, too. Right, but it's also-
2: They're just fueling each other at this point. Cause he's a possessive asshole so she emotionally cheats which makes him more of possessive and more of an asshole so she cheats some more
0: and it's the weirdest fucking thing because it's impossible to invest in because literally the only reason Whitney exists is so that there can be a reason Lana can't date Clark but she, we so we constantly see them make up because the tension has to keep going but we never get a sense of why the hell they bother like there are no good moments where you're like oh I see why they're a couple and why she keeps going back to him it's just repeatedly poundedly annoying
1: yeah and and they're trying to humanize Whitney at this point because I think they realized how far they overshot in making him a human monster you mean the hate crime man
2: yeah yeah he still did a hate crime so anything bad that happens to him is all fine with me
1: yeah so it's trying to humanize him by having Clark be a snoopy snoopy fucker mm-hmm. and discover that the reason he, he's so upset is what? There's
0: medication in your bag? And for a second I was, I thought, are they going to have Whitney have, like, cancer, a, a, con- a congenital heart issue? What's... But no,
1: his dad has a heart condition, which what? is apparently unheard of in this, in this tight-knit farming community full of people who definitely go to the doctor regularly and also have had horrible chemical exposure from a meteor shower right
2: super don't eat eat lumberjack breakfasts every day
0: yeah for sure everybody and everybody's dad is starting to get weird health issues at 60 and everybody just kind of knows about it and doesn't talk about it which is interesting but this show is again not smart enough for that (laughs) and it's supposed to be like a thing of oh man i also have a dad i had no idea that whitney also has a dad
1: wow whitney's dealing with things
0: too really makes you think it doesn't but it's not it's not interesting because he's a shitty character because mm-hmm. even this doesn't really humanize him yeah
1: and I, I do have to give Eric Johnson credit he always plays these totally thankless roles
0: yeah where yeah. He,
1: he's like this shitty frat bro but he is doing his best to perform this sudden turn into sympathy
0: yeah it, 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 it never work. feels like the actor's fault really it's just bad writing what does he do with that Especially since he also doesn't have screen time.
2: Yeah, I I mean, he's he's pretty hateable and then pretty pathetic. So, I mean, he's doing a good job of portraying what he's supposed to portray. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And this does continue the theme of um, Clark feeling fully entitled to, to pry into everyone else's secrets while simultaneously insisting loudly on his own privacy.
0: Because he's the hero. Mm-hmm. It's cool if he knows because he can help.
2: Because objectively, everything he does is good. The script said so.
0: Oh. Yep. He can't do anything about Whitney's dad, but, like, he nodded at him sadly, and that was helpful. And, you know, justified him prying. Yeah. And then, but Lana's thing is that, basically, Chloe gets taken off the newspaper staff for For writing conspiracy articles. (laughs) And and so Lana's like, I'm gonna go get the job back, and the editor gives her the job? Yeah, the principal gives
1: the job to Lana. And Chloe's like, you've betrayed me. Well, and then Lana says, don't worry, you can just
0: ghostwrite for the paper, that's the same. And then I hated her, audience. I just, like, I, I can see the good intention here where of like, oh no, I didn't mean for this to happen, but maybe I can write it out and give her the job back and and, and then the, the principal will see how great she's still doing. And But it just doesn't bear through that way because the the script is so set on Lana's inherent Rightness,
1: yeah, and also it doesn't have the time to do anything with this. It has to do it in one episode,
0: right? And well, and the it. talk she has with the principal happens completely off screen, so we don't see that or her making that connection of no, no, I'll make it right. It's fine. M-
2: Moreover, um, I-, I dislike it in particular because she specifically says "ghost right." Yeah, true. So is the shitty. intention is not for Lana to hire Chloe on or for Chloe to be knocked down to just reporter rank. It appears that the intention is for Chloe is fired outright and Lana's just going to secretly let her do all the things in Lana's name. So I think Chloe is yeah, super justified suck. Is super justified when she goes, why, does school newspaper editor look better on a college transcript?
1: And I understand that probably... You could believably write a teenager who would think through this series of thoughts, Mm -hmm. especially casually when she's thinking, I'm helping my friend and also my friend is still going to keep doing all of this. Like, there's no actual harm here, but there is harm in the specific context of credit
0: Mm -hmm. and power and... Well, we needed we needed to see Lana have that conversation. We needed to give a shit about the friendship that's supposedly being lost here, which we don't. Honestly, I think it would have been better if it had had like a week off mm-hmm. for this arc to
1: develop, where we saw her fuck up horribly at yeah. publishing a paper. Mm-hmm. But instead, she just tried. She just puts together a parodic article about how shitty the the principal is. So he decides to give the paper back to Chloe. Uh
0: huh. Which is technically making it right, but there's no weight to it, because Lana never really had to fuck up in a meaningful way. Like, she loses the supposed friendship, but we haven't invested in the friendship because it's been entirely in the background, so who cares? And because the whole friendship is just the girls are fighting! Right, like, all of their interactions are based subtextually on the fact that they're fighting over Clark, more or less. And that sucks, because I want to invest in this friendship.
2: Yeah, and besides the the greater ramifications of them ghostwriting, of them doing the whole ghostwriting thing and Lana having to having to face academic dishonesty, dishonesty and plagiarism accusations and watch her college prospects evaporate, that would have added some real drama.
0: That would have been something because she's supposed she's supposed to be this rebel, but but like how much does she actually value these college transcripts, what see, have you?
1: What I would have liked to see is um Chloe just walk off and Lana decide, well, I'm going to do it myself because how hard can it be?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then just have a disastrous time of just literally not knowing how to do any of the many, many things that it takes. Right. And so then we you could... wanted
2: it to to do Michael Keaton in Mr. Mom.
0: Well, and then we could also like, instead of Michael Keaton in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> we could invest in, in Chloe as a writer, as opposed to what she's rapidly becoming, which is Chloe as a third wheel. And again, I'm still having trouble with that Allison Mac thing, like I'm still having trouble shaking off that baggage to invest in Chloe as a character. But yeah, but it's I can still feel a shift of uh, an unfortunate shift where like she had more going on as a friend rather than a friend zoned character. Like now she's becoming a nice girl, and it sucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've already ditched the wall of weird. Yeah. yeah. Which was probably the most interesting thing in it because I, I feel like it could have continued on like an eerie Indiana kind of tie in there. Like with the kid collecting all the, the trophies.
1: Yeah. And uh, Pete does not get to do anything this, this
0: I think stretch. he had Anne line. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently uh, Whitney and Pete pull from the same pool of, of screen time. Well I think and... Pete also might have been sharing with Tony. Oh yeah well you know can only have one black actor on screen at any given time obviously thanks smallville yeah well speaking of the tony todd episode it seems time to really dig into the moral lessons that smallville can teach us which of course brings us to lessons from pa kent who is just in these episodes a fuck of a lot (laughs) what important wisdom are we are have we been received this week
2: Oh my god. So, let's see, for for Jitters, Pa Kent's important wisdom is we have to rush into an armed hostage situation blindly, even though there are police officers there. Because my son is in there.
1: I mean, Lux
0: listens. It works out real well for him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because he happens to be friends with Superman. It works out for him.
2: That's our Paw Kent beauty for this one. Remember kids, no matter if you whether you have training, no matter whether you're armed, no matter whether it'll get people killed, rush blindly into any situation and correct it immediately.
0: It's so fuck it the show so wants to have its cake and eat it too, because you know, if it wants to be the kind of show where it's like where it's a shonen and blind and just barreling ahead and doing a thing based on emotions and the desire to do right works out for you, fine what the fuck ever. And if it wants to be a show about how you think about the consequences of your actions, that's good, too. But this show wants it to be cool when when Pa Kent does a, a, an incredibly stupid, short-sighted thing, but bad when Lex does those things, even if they both have good intentions.
2: Even if they're the same thing at the same time. Uh-huh. Uh, but I disagree, because Lex's isn't stupid and, and short-sighted. It may, it may have been quick and improvised, but... He had a plan.
0: Yes, his plan is I'll die. I will leave my employees at the mercy of my father.
2: Yeah. But but it was still a plan. It was still a plan and technically did succeed.
0: That's true. Yeah,
1: because what happens is um, all the kids in town are on a field trip at the plants when Tony Todd shows up and has a shotgun and takes everybody hostage. Um. Lionel Luther flies out and is like, no, no, there's no such thing as level three. There's no weird special experimentation going on there, I swear. And Lex is like, for real, right? For, for I'm... real. You're not fucking with me, right?
2: And Dad? he says, you won't find a level three on any plans.
1: So Lex grabs the plans and, and he goes in there and takes off his bulletproof vest and says, look, you can hang on to me and we can look at these plans and we can look around to- together, just you and me. As long as you let all these kids go.
2: Well, he actually doesn't offer him something that simple. He flat out tells him there is a level three and I'll take you to it.
1: And then all the kids leave. Including Clark, because he gets a tummy ache when he's around Tony Todd.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Jonathan has, deci- has decided that no, no, he's going to yell vaguely until things get done.
1: Um, and then Clark goes back in and... Ceases to have a tummy ache around Tony Todd. Because it's time to finish up the episode now. And he rescues two full-grown men from dangling over a precipice of death. Over where level three turns out to actually be. Yep. Adrenaline. its just
2: adrenaline, I guess.
1: (laughs) Just lies straight to Lex's face. And honestly, kudos to Rosenbaum for the face journey he takes right there.
2: But what's also really weird is is we do that where Clark doesn't even hesitate to just flat out lie. And then straight up in the next episode, he's like, but I don't want to lie. I'm not good at lying. I can't lie. Lying is bad. You, you just did it last episode, dickhead.
1: You threw a house party. And we're planning to lie to your parents about it. <laughs> so, uh, but the next episode...
0: I don't. I mean, in fairness, at least with this one, it's it's he's basically a MacGuffin. He he is an object for for Clark to be upset about because consequences are happened to him now.
1: <laughs> I love that Clark decides that the best thing to do is frame a cop for crimes, and then a surprise like full Pikachu face mm-hmm. when the cop turns around and frames his dad for crimes.
2: No, no, he didn't frame the cop. The cop actually committed the crime. He just tried to report the cop.
1: No, Clark committed the crime.
0: (laughs) Clark committed the crime more and better. I believe
2: that blackmailing someone into doing crime is still constituted as doing the crime.
1: I'm just saying, like, the actual physical thing that happened that Clark left him holding the bag for. But yeah, then he's surprised. I want to know where the corpse came from, because also this dirty cop is a murder wizard, because mm-hmm. he manages to get out of of stir in Metropolis, which is a couple hours away from Smallville. Get a corpse, deposit it in the Kent family barn, go back to Metropolis, call in an anonymous,
2: <laughs> and he hides the gun. Uh, which brings me back to perfect represent perfect representation of sheriff's department
1: oh there's a gun
2: we got a corpse and we got a gun the gun was in jonathan kent's truck case solved
0: and earlier in the the reason things break so bad is that earlier in the episode of course jonathan's advice to his son is look just ignore this guy it'll work out for us
1: and then it turns into, well, just don't
0: let anybody know you have powers. It's a very consistently moving goalpost. With, as long as we achieve, it's fine. As long as nobody knows you have powers, it's cool. They were fully prepared. I, I, I get the feeling in my heart that Jonathan is fully prepared to murder this man.
2: Doesn't he get shot to death by the cops?
0: Yes.
1: There was a really well-known fanfic where that was the entire premise: is that the Kents have for years been burying people in the cornfield. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm here for it.
2: Yeah, that super happens with this Jonathan Kent. That that's definitely head cannon right there. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I think that is the most important takeaway from this set of episodes: is the moral guide the the, the moral gold posts are constantly in flux as long as. Nobody knows that Clark has powers, stays on the other side of them.
2: (laughs) And this isn't even the biggest move they do on these goalposts. Oh dear. Oh, it gets way worse.
0: Much. Oh, good. Well, I mean, they have to, because as you know, we're dealing with the ultimate evil here, because of course, Lex Luthor is the worst, you know, Lex Luthor once stole 40 cakes, which is as many as 410s, and that's terrible. (laughs) except that he's a very good boy in this run <laughs> he's a sweet boy and he does a heroic
1: there's an amazing uh, interview from early on in the show where John Glover is describing just what a beautiful, sweet, kind wonderful character Lex is
0: no <laughs> yeah. this hurts me uh-huh.
1: you know, saying all the things that dad would never say about me
0: Lex. Oh no. <laughs> he really is though. Like he's such a great character in he's this very. He's very vulnerable. Episodes. He's soft, this boy.
2: Yeah, that's why he's the favorite. He
0: he does a
1: heroic action. Well, he does a heroic action, but then after Earl, uh Tony Todd's character, is apprehended by the police, um, his dad is trying to do spin control on camera. And Lex steps out and completely guarantees, without reservation, you know, any treatment of course we'll that a uh, former employee will need. And he manages to connive a hug out of his dad. Well, look on camera. On camera. Well, obviously, on camera. Where else would he get a hug? Mm-hmm. And
2: for those of you keeping track at home, that's twice in three episodes that Lex Luthor offers to pay for physical and mental treatment of people in his employee. <laughs>
0: He's a very good employer in this series of episodes. (laughs) A a qualification I feel I should probably make just in case. And And just so that we're sure that we, and just so the directors are sure that we get it, they cut back and forth between Lex Luthor closing his eyes and desperately trying to enjoy this hug and, and, you know, Clark being gathered around by his family and friends. Who
1: authentically love and care about him.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Which does
1: not make me think Lex is a terrible person who doesn't deserve hugs. I really like in in Rogue, though, the introduction of this accidental bit of theming that the writers immediately dropped. But every fanfic person (laughs) sunk their claws deep into deep and will never let go.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Lex takes Clark and Clark's friends, Lana, Uh to a museum opening. Like, that's why Clark is in Metropolis, to do a heroic thing and be seen doing it. But it introduces the fact that Lex was named after Alexander the Great. And look at this, this... Breastplate that belonged to Alexander the Great and it's the gaudiest fucking thing. It's, it's so, so trashy. hideous. It's the tackiest thing I've ever seen. Like nobody in the prop room was like, maybe we should tone that down. No no. <laughs> no no, it'll read fine on camera.
2: It <laughs> wow. looks like a reject from Stargate that got bedazzled.
1: Uh-huh. It really does. And Stargate already looked tacky. I say this as a long time viewer.
2: <laughs> yeah, I want to come back to the, the breastplate in our comic section.
1: Yeah. Ah, cool. Well, that breastplate, I think it comes back a few episodes later, but, but I'm doing this rewatch, so I can't say for sure. But setting up this tension of who is truly Alexander the Great, who will rule the world, is hilarious. Because meanwhile, every single fanficer in the audience was like, okay, so if he's Alexander,
0: Clark's a festian. <laughs> cool, we can roll with this. And then 15 years later, Hannibal was like, you are like little baby, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and had Hannibal draw of Will. <laughs> Excuse me, that was of him as Patrocles, but still, same right. energy. Same energy, same energy.
2: I like that Mads Mikkelsen drew a little sailor tattoo while shoot- shooting that scene.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very important. The most valuable piece of merch. And also... Yes, we have at what I take to be the beginning of a long series of uh, incidences of sex-shaming Lex. Yeah, because this episode does treat Victoria like she is she is a dumb bimbo who can only think with se- who who can only plan with sex, but Lex, a female getting leverage. Like Lex as a character at wow. least seems to You're so pleased. Not as pleased as Sean is.
2: It it was good.
0: Like Lex at least seems to think that, alright, we're doing this, and I know that you know it, that that I know, and that's fine, that's what this is, and we're at this we're we're playing at the same level. Which I can respect in that they're both bastards who don't really like each other. But at the same time it,
1: it is saying that he's lowering himself into this, this slutty way of doing things.
0: Mm -hmm. because I can't believe he would have the sex with somebody he doesn't care about
2: well I mean at the very least he he did say he did say well you've appealed to my hatred of my father now allow me to appeal to yours
0: they're just fucking over their mutual daddy
1: issues Yep. and since Lex also has mommy issues that's a lot going on
0: there Mm -hmm. there's a lot of layers I made a whole anime about this (laughs)
2: It's a whole ogre's worth of layers.
0: No.
1: The, the fact that the show attempts to suggest that Clark does not have daddy issues is wild.
2: Nope, he's got everything under control.
1: He's fine. He's fine. This everyone. is a good relationship.
2: We we do need to talk about the third episode, at least in passing, don't we?
0: <laughs> I mean, I suppose we. Lex has a bad time. The episode.
1: Yeah. This girl is so fucking creepy, I'm sorry. She and her brother are fucking creepy, and it would be really upsetting to find out that there were fucking creepy people living in your house with total access to your undergarments.
2: Yeah, which is is very sad, because from the beginning of the episode, I was in their court. Oh, fucking douchey job being mean to your sister, and you bashed his fucking face in with with a training weight. Okay, cool, I support you. I'm down for that. Beating up those fucking assholes is something I dreamed of doing in high school. You're living my dream. Oh, no, I don't like you anymore.
1: It is very interesting that in the effort to show that they're, like, poor and ugly and lower class, they've just cast a couple of people who look more like actual teenagers and didn't put as much makeup on them. Mm Mm-hmm. Which
0: is- Like, they're just kind of greasy. Yep. Yep.
2: Right, and they they cast a girl who has one of those very high, squeaky bat-like voices,
0: mm-hmm. and a little bit of that round face that you get at that age. It's kind of implying that anyone that actually
1: looks like a teenager while being a teenager,
0: yeah, yes, it's it's part of the long. pro- Smallfield did That's contribute to all these to a twenty-five long year olds. that high schoolers on TV aren't actually allowed to look like high schoolers. Actually, it goes back at least as far as Dawson's Creek, but like Smallville I mean, didn't help. It was a pretty good. Uh, big what do you run mean, at least Dawson's 200. Creek?
2: Yeah, nine hundred two one zero.
0: Luke Perry. I said at least the late Luke Perry. Also, yeah, and kudos to Lex, a bar I didn't think needed to be this slow, that he has absolutely no interest in the in the, the fact that this teenager wants to fuck him. Although he definitely makes it clear he has researched age of
1: consent laws in Kansas.
2: Lex. Yeah, it's the it's the kind of love you go to jail for,
1: <laughs> Lex.
0: He's like, no, I am not fucking teenagers. That is illegal. Trust me, I had a lot of soul searching about this after I found out that the large farm boy is not eighteen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How Lex was just... I supposed to know? He looks twenty five.
1: <laughs> Lex just feverishly sitting. At his at his laptop, typing in into Spider Search or whatever the fake search engine they use here is <laughs> Age of Consent, Kansas. Age of Consent, gay, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> typing into Ask Jeeves.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck.
2: <laughs> no, he's a Luther. He'd just pull out his phone. Jeeves, what's the age of consent in in Kansas?
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. I was way younger
2: than that. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's too depressing. One more segment before we we close out with the comic stuff. I I do once again want to check in with our boombox, because as always, this music selection is the most 2000s thing on Earth. So... We have Pacific Coast Party by Smash Mouth. (laughs) Tie Me Up by Handsome Devil. (laughs) Step It Up by Stereo MCs. When I'm With You by Simple Plan. I love that all of these sound fake except the ones that I know are real. Uh And Caught in the Sun by Course of Nature. Yeah, these look like they should be on a fake music quiz. (laughs) They are parodies of themselves. Also, even in 2001 No, this was 2002 by now Who were the who were the big Simple Plan fans Getting it onto the show Simple Fans, we call them And also, just really Cashing that Smash Mouth money That Shrek dollar Simple stands.
2: Uh, was it Shrek by this point Or was it still Mystery Men That was their big no, cash cow No, Shrek
0: was out by now, my bro
2: <laughs> it was up by
0: right now. It happened the day after the Hogwarts massacre. As we know. <laughs> the music in this show continues to be delightful. I just. Where is the Spotify playlist, people? Get on it. Don't make it be me.
2: <laughs> You're already on it.
0: Alright, alright, fine. Well, then you tell me the deepest lore of these episodes. What comics things should we tell the people?
2: Okay, so we only have one like super interesting thing, but um, so we mentioned pre- Dorothy mentioned previously the Metropolis badge. So I believe that's actually a piece of lore that they integrated into comics as a whole. Like I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's oh, certainly Smallville became did a,
0: like a long lasting crime.
2: Um, Smallville invented the Kryptonian language that's still used in comics. And the fact that the Metropolis PD badges look like the Superman symbol, yeah. So those are those are lasting lore. Um, our Alexander the Great armor, um, I'm sure you noticed, kind of vaguely resembles an S. No, it stands for hope. Well, no, actually, Lex did specifically say that it stood for courage <laughs> and power this time.
0: Well, that's a really flexible S.
2: We also, we also went way, way back in time to the golden era of comics, um, in our third episode, Shimmer, where, um, Clark was helping out Lana with the blood drive, and he instantaneously recalled, recalled a minor detail for, I think, Chloe, I don't even remember, it was a boring episode, but that's our super memory.
1: I thought it was super math. Was that last time?
2: It was super math last time. Right. It's super memory this time because he can remember stuff. He didn't have to add it up.
1: (laughs) I can't wait for him to use super weaving. Oh,
0: God.
2: (laughs) But the most interesting thing is Lex Luthor's current girlfriend. I'm not sure that they actually mention it, but since she's here to stay, her daddy's company that he's attempting to swindle out of her is Cadmus Labs itself.
0: I don't know what that means. (laughs) So that's the evil
1: scientists of the DC universe as opposed to the good scientists at Star Labs.
2: Oh. Yeah, Cadmus Labs is pretty much universally responsible for the creation of Connell, Connor Kent, the Superboy himself. Their son. Yep, their son. The perfect fusion of of Lex Luthor and Superman. That sounds gay, bro. A little bit, because they they stole some of Superman's DNA. They decided to clone Superman. It what, they, didn't... Sk- they
0: took a sock from his bedroom? They took his fluids. <laughs>
2: but it didn't work out so good, so they added Lex Luthor's DNA into it, and bada-bing, bada-boom, Connor Kent.
1: I want to know how that conversation happened. Like, how did those that series of decisions happen? What fanfic author got into comics? But, like, just imagine, Boss, um... We can't seem to stabilize the DNA. Lex Luthor putting on lip gloss. <laughs> <laughs> we think maybe we should put some human DNA in it. You got it.
2: Hand me the test tube.
1: No, I don't, I didn't mean, don't tell me how to do my job.
2: <laughs> Are you a level nine intelligence? I don't think so. <laughs> can science the shit out of this with my dick.
1: Meanwhile, Brainiac, a level 12 intelligence, is just sending the most side eye.
0: <laughs> I can't believe we're only part like halfway through season one. I'm going to die before we finish this podcast. This podcast will murder me.
1: <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die before we finish this podcast. Oh.
0: Quarantine's what, getting long, people.
2: There's an end. There's an achievable goal. It's just really, really ridiculously far away right now.
0: Oh, well that that's encouraging to our listeners. <laughs> I meant the, the podcast,
2: video. not the quarantine. Jesus, I'm not a monster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright. Any last thoughts on these before we wrap it up?
2: Um Candyman's on Amazon Prime, so I'm gonna go rewatch that.
0: Alright. Seems good to me. How many times have we said his name? Yeah, well we are fucked, so that's fine. <laughs>
2: Why are we looking into mirrors?
0: I mean what is the computer but a window Into
1: our own darkest impulses What is critical analysis of media But a mirror of our own souls
2: Um, The computer is the thing that you find porn on
1: As that musical told me
0: (laughs) It's my own shame My own shame Ryan's an Avenue Q tour shirt Yes I do You gotta roast me like this (laughs)
2: Because it makes the it makes the listeners happy.
0: Good. Well, then, anything for the content.
2: Got to do it for the clicks.
0: <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, I think that about wraps us up on this one. Thank you for so much for joining us. Uh, if you liked this, you can find more of our stuff on SoundCloud, uh, as well as Drunk Book Club and our main line show, Trash and Treasures. You can also find us on Patreon.com/trashandtreasures, which helps. Pay hosting costs and all of those other fun things. If you join at $2 a month, we have recipes from Dorothy, both alcoholic and non. And at $5 a month, we have monthly bonus episodes, which on all kinds of things. Sometimes movies, sometimes just weird internet trends. You never know. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can always email us at TrashTreasures.com underscore pod at gmail.com or you can get a hold of us on social media we are on tumblr at trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com or we are on twitter at trashpod. Uh, come say hello to us, uh, we'll give you a shout out on the show wanted to give a special thanks to uh, Anile this time around uh, for just always being really uh, engaged uh, and, and you know enjoying the content, we're, we're Always happy to see folks who who stick around. It warms our hearts. Yeah. So thank you so much. All right. Well, next round. Imagine a cat emoji here. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like, (laughs) yeah. All right. So next time we'll be looking at episodes 11 through 13. Maybe by the time 2020 is over, if we're all still alive, we might finish season one. (laughs) Hard to say at this point.
1: (laughs) I mean, I could tell you. I just need to look at our schedule, but... (laughs)
0: Fish, (laughs) fish. No. No. (laughs) I barely have regular math. All right. Well, until next time, listeners, go go Crows. Go Crows. Go
2: Crows.